and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monkey's weekly look at various different events around the world in golf. Today we preview the 149th Open, recap our week playing the Aramco Team Series and hear from two-time PJ Tour winner Jason Kofrak. Hi guys, Justin Rose here and welcome to the Golf Monthly Clubhouse podcast. The Clubhouse is brought to you by Titleist, the number one ball in golf and the most played golf ball at the John Deere Classic with 80% of the field putting one in play at TPC Deere Run last week. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. My name is Tom Clark and as ever I'm joined this week by Elliot Heath. How are you doing Elliot? Hey Tom, yeah doing good, you alright? Yes, yes very well and we can't go any further without mentioning the Aramco team series which Elliot actually played in and when we actually say he played in you actually you not only competed you actually did reasonably well didn't you Elliot? <laughs> yeah I so I played for team Houston Alice Houston the 23 uh, year old English player who's um, yeah I knew before the week had a, a bundle of promise and um, finished tied 10th at the Augusta National Women's Amateur turn pro started last year won the South African ladies open at the start of the year and then um was a top female at the scandinavian mixed recently so as soon as i saw i was on her team i was quite optimistic that we'd have a good result and yeah we finished tied 10th out of 36 teams uh, which was a bit disappointing actually because we sort of didn't do anything on the back nine um but yeah it's just an unbelievable week played with some lovely people uh, the caddies as well were awesome um, the course was incredible uh, and to be honest i'm still on a bit of a come down from it uh, i woke up Sunday morning afterwards and um, yeah it was just a bit exhausted a bit gutted and just a bit you know yeah very level after what was an adrenaline filled few days and let's face it I think you did very well Elliot I, I must congratulate you I mean especially your play on Friday where you had something like four birdies and also piled your shot hole as well and you know, and these, this, you were properly helping the pros here, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, so uh, for those who don't know, it was best two out of four net scores. Uh, I only got one shot. So, um, yeah, I basically just had to make birdies. And Friday, I was two under par after 11 holes, which was level with the pros I was playing with pretty much. And, yeah, I, I was literally just in the zone, having the time of my life, playing really well. Um, and it was, yeah, it was so good to help the team, honestly. Like, we had a really good sort of atmosphere in, in the group we had Alice Houston's parents following us who are, are amazing people and uh, also her Birkenstead lady so she's been a member at Birkenstead since the age of seven uh, and this, this is quite a small group of ladies but they followed her to the Curtis Cup in the UK and the US so the Curtis Cup is like the uh, female amateur version of the Ryder Cup um, and obviously she's got great support and uh, my dad was there as well who was uh, getting quite excited. And yeah, it's just um, an awesome experience. I played really well. Um, yeah, it was just, I don't know what to say. Otherwise, it was uh, just amazing. I didn't realise your dad had gone. Your dad's an absolute legend. So <laughs> no, it was great. No, and uh, no, it looked like it was really good, actually. And it's just, it sounded like a really, really good event, really positive event for the Ladies European Tour, wasn't it? And for, for all those competing, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So um, Alice was saying on, on the final round just like what her schedule is at the moment and um they're on a massive run at the moment where basically she was saying you simply cannot take a week off because um we've had like the italian open recently uh, they've been to france uh, this was a one million dollar purse which is i think the second largest of the regular season obviously we've got the solheim cup coming as well so you need to rack up the points for that uh, and then there's another Aramco team series next month, I believe, down in Spain in Soto Grande. Um, the Scottish Open's coming up, Women's British Open as well. So um, from where the LET was sort of two, three years ago, when you heard the likes of Mel Reed publicly, um, not slating it, but just, you know, showing her disappointment for where her home tour is at uh, to where it is now. I think there's 28 events this season. They're playing for record prize money and... Um, it's just seems to be in a fantastic place and the talent is definitely there i mean the girls i played with were phenomenal honestly like <laughs> the rough at centurion was like 
above knee high long. So I, I guess it's what it's going to be like at Royal St. George's this week. And I was in it probably three, four, five times a day. And literally the girls I played with were in it once all week collectively. So um, they're just unbelievably straight off the tee and just, um, yeah, just just amazing golfers. Yeah, it looks like a, a really decent uh, event. Very positive. As you say, there's lots of positivity around it. I think they did very well to get it on at all, you know, with, with everything that's been going going on. Uh, but, you know, uh, you know, a different kind of format, uh, you know, with the amateurs scores actually you know, making a difference as well. Uh, do you want to chat about the guys who, who won? Yeah, so uh, it was Team Cowan, I think, Livia Cowan from Germany and England. I think she was born in Hamburg. Uh, they finished at a ridiculous 41 under par, and we were 32 under par, so not too far away from like, the top five. Uh, and then Marianne Skarpnord from Norway won the tournament um, in a playoff against Atia Titikul from Thailand. Um, and yeah, actually, Titikul had... Um, a couple of ties over with her, like I think professional caddies and the professional team members. Um, whereas actually some of the ladies were like pulling their own trolleys and stuff. So obviously it's quite an expense to have a caddy and um, Titical is a very, very serious golfer. He plays all over the world and um, can, I guess, afford that. But um, yeah, stark realities really of some of the pros. And um, yeah, it was a very exciting finish. We were um, watching it up in the VIP bit <laughs> behind the 18th green. Um, Brilliant finish in the hole at the Century, and, and um, yeah, there's just some great golf to finish it off. I thought it was really exciting, and I'm sure a lot of people watching at home really enjoyed the finish. Yeah, uh, uh, Cowan, who uh, who obviously won, she she was she pulled her clubs all, all week as well, didn't she? So yeah, she, she actually they actually uh, interviewed her and, um, and they were say, she was saying that uh, you know she did put a call out because of the bubble situation and everything like that. Um, actually it was uh, easier for her just to, to get on with it and do it herself. So uh, fair play. And um, there was some, yeah, there's some really good golf. I saw some brilliant golf um, out there. And um, it was it's good to see Lexi Thompson playing there and Laura Davis as well. Did you manage to, to chat to any of those guys? I know Sam did, I think, didn't he? Yeah, so we had uh, Sam Tremlett from Golf Monthly and then Katie Dawkins, PJ Professional, who's just a lovely lady and a fantastic work ethic. And yeah, she was speaking to everyone and... Um, I know that Sam was really fond of Lexi. I think she had to wait a few minutes to talk to us and Sam um, like whispered to her, really sorry about this, but she was absolutely lovely about it. And yeah, I just think all the women were just so happy to be there because of the prize money as well. Like it, There's a lot of money to pay for, but because of the format as well and the infrastructure, I think the event was very well run. It felt like a big event. Um, shame we couldn't get like full, full galleries in there, but to be fair, I was... Um, like <laughs> unbelievably nervous on the first tee like literally just happy to hit the ball my first tee shot in the program went into the trees left then on the next day my first tee shot went in the trees right <laughs> and then the next day it went in the trees left so um yeah i couldn't <laughs> couldn't really handle that first tee pressure yeah that's that's tough isn't it it's uh it, it certainly um gives a, a perspective for it and uh I think you're very lucky to get involved with it because there's not many people who will be able to say they actually played at a pro event ever, to be honest with you. So, um, uh, especially to do well. So, it sounded like a had a great week. And uh, if, there's lots of stuff still on the Golf Monthly website, golfmonthly.com, and also on our, our um, social media channels, especially Instagram. If you go back and look at our Instagram feed for the last uh, week or so, you'll see loads of great videos which the guys are putting up. So, uh, do check it out if you haven't already. Um, but yeah, really positive event. And uh, hopefully you come back again next year. So the, that sounds really good. So I've got some. I've got some news, Elliot. Guess what my news is? I think your news is that you are going to get an official handicap. Well, that's that is exactly my news. Yeah. So um, big news today from England Golf that the new iGolf system, which is a uh, England Golf's official digital community community if i can say it um ha has launched today um and it means that um people can now sign up if you live in england uh, and um for 40 pounds a year and you will be able to get an official handicap which is will be recognized across the world and you don't have to be a member of a golf club uh this can be for anybody who just plays golf you know, uh, every now and then, and wants to get an official handicap, and I'm I'm really excited. I signed up immediately as soon as I could, as soon as I realised. I've signed up straight away. Very simple to do. 
And yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. So um, now I've just got to play some golf and get a handicap, haven't I? <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you put your money where your mouth is because I know a long time ago you said that you would be signing up for this. And um, I'm very, very interested to see what your handicap is going to be. <laughs> Obviously, you are essentially a 25, 26 handicapper, but you play off 18 just because you think it's quite easy to just have one shot a hole. Um, okay. now, now, look, 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 I know you've had a good week last week, but the week before when we played at West Hill, I I took you to the cleaners. Basically, I had to run our team because you couldn't hit the ball out of your own shadow, could you? So, um, it, you know, I think that's been slightly harsh. I mean, I'll be very happy if my handicap is anywhere around 18, to be honest with you. And then that will just completely shut you up, basically, won't it? So, uh, uh, as I said, I've got to I've got to get some rounds of golf actually booked in to, to, to get my handicap um, sorted. I think I have to play three rounds of golf, if I remember rightly, if that's what you said. Um, to, to and then input it in, and you have to do you have to um, you have to kind of like book your round of golf in, in advance, you can't suddenly put it in um, in the past. And you, I think, you're also supposed to have a um, someone who has, is also signed up to iGolf or who is also a member of a golf club somewhere as, the, as a kind of marker, so you can't just put any random numbers in there. So, uh, I'm really looking forward to using it. There's an app as well which I've downloaded, uh, which I We'll tell you what it's called when I look at it. Yeah, my EG, which I suppose stands for England Golf, and it's all oh, looks very exciting. Um, yeah, it says my uh, WHS index is pending for obvious reasons because I've only just signed up. But yeah, I'll I'll let you know how that goes. But I need to get some round of golf in basically. So have you just done this for vanity reasons, I guess, just to get a handicap, or are you planning next year to enter some opens and play some actual competition golf? Well, well, this is the, this is the opportunity that this opens up, isn't it? I think this gives you so many opportunities to do things. Uh, you know, I just want to get, as you say, I want to find out what my handicap should be via the system. Firstly, I'm intrigued by it, but also I want to be able to have the opportunities to go and do other th bits and pieces when I can. And um, you know, I go, I do go to different society things and stuff like that. It'd be nice to be able to put in a proper handicap and things like that. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a great system. Uh, I think it should, you know, I think it really opens the door to a lot of people to get involved. Um, people who, I think this is going to, this could actually increase membership, I feel. If people feel like, you know what, I'm really enjoying this kind of, uh, like this journey and trying to improve my golf and things like that, actually people might then go, actually, I'm going to go and join a club somewhere. So um, I think there's loads of opportunities, isn't it? it? It gives you access maybe to a few of the, few golf courses which you wouldn't have uh, had access to and things like that so uh, yeah i'm just just need to play some golf get me uh get my handicap sorted yeah that's true um that's kind of what the system's been designed for is to encourage people to become members of clubs and i think england golf said that there's up to 2.3 million independent golfers in the country so hmm. uh, how many of those sign up i don't know maybe it's a couple of hundred thousand or whatever but all paying 40 quid a year it's a really good revenue driver for England Golf, who are going to invest the money back into the game, back to growing the game, uh, whether it's juniors, girls, um, elite amateur level or whatever. So, yeah, I think it's a fantastic initiative. Um, and it's a really good chance for golf in this country to just continue to, to build on what we've sort of built already in this pandemic, where the game is just absolutely thriving. Yeah, I think I think it's really good. And like they... they, they uh... They have three things which they say they offer. It says you get an official WHS handicap index, World Handicap System handicap index. You get personal liability insurance, which is great because every golfer should have that, shouldn't they? Uh, and it also says other offers, news and opportunities, whatever that means. But um, yeah, no, I'm I'm really looking forward to it, to getting going. And uh, yeah, well, it's, it's it's just signing up as maybe well, right? Let's I want to go out and play some golf, which I think is a great thing. Isn't That's that? brilliant uh that's that's the point isn't it so um yeah if you're, you're interested you know just google it uh i golf and um you'll, you'll follow the links obviously at the moment this is only Eng an england golf initiative isn't it do we know if anyone else is going to be looking into this do we uh yes scotland have got one coming as well uh we did a story about that within the last couple of months uh but not sure about wales uh, i don't know if the states have one um but yeah i know there's quite a few around the world that um england golf was sort of basing theirs on yeah, it's, it's going to be great, I think, isn't it? So um, really looking forward to it. And uh, I will keep you posted how I'm doing. Um, yeah, I want to see you entering the Romford Open next year. Why not? 
Why not? My 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 uh, my, uh, my brother, a member at Romford Golf Club. Lovely, lovely golf club, Romford. Very, very uh, good social scene there. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure I will be going there to get to record one of my rounds with with my brother Chris. I'm sure, so, um, as he's a member there. So, uh, uh, I'll keep you in the loop. I don't know if I'm going to get nervous about doing this. I don't know. We'll wait and see. But anyway, let's move on to some other matters. So there was two other uh, events which happened the weekend just gone. And then we're going to, of course, look forward uh, in a moment uh, to the 149th Open Championship, which is taking place at Royal St George's. So firstly, let's have a look back at the Scottish Open. Uh, Minwoo Lee defeated Matt Fitzpatrick and Tom Stetry in a playoff to win his second European Tour title at the Renaissance Club. The Aussie earned a spot in this week's Open with the win alongside Detry and Jack Senior. Lee is now up to a career best 61st in the world. John Rahm finished 7th but lost his world number one spot to Dustin Johnson. Uh, Roy McIlroy missed his fourth cut of the year. So quite a bit happened, didn't it? Firstly, I'm going to talk about Matthew Fitzpatrick. Did you hear what happened to him on Sunday evening? Yeah, absolute nightmare for him, wasn't it? He had a ticket for Wembley and then... There was a 90-minute weather delay in the morning, which basically ended his hope. So, um, yeah, then he lost the playoff. Probably not one of his uh, best days. No, he had a bit of a nightmare. But um, it was good to see Fitzpatrick competing. Very solid performer. Maybe someone to look out for this week. But um, meanwhile, very, very impressive. Not someone that people will know that much about, you say? No. So he is the younger brother of Minji Lee, who actually we caught up with last week. And she was on the podcast. Um she was actually in the VIP area with us uh, after or during the playoff and I was very, very tempted to go and get a selfie, but I didn't quite um, have the courage. I know she would have done because she was really nice when I spoke to her. But uh, yeah, back to Min Woo. He's an incredibly talented player. Um, won the Vic Open last year in um, his home country and now this is just a, a massive victory for him. He um, finished it off in style with a, a stunning birdie at the last and looks to have a, a very, very good game. Uh, I think that's actually hilarious that you uh, bottled having a photo taken. I mean, it's, uh, but, you know, he's he's won, it's such a big win, this, isn't it, for him? You know, he was, before the Scottish Open, he was 240th in the world. So he's wow. risen 179 places uh, in one week. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just a huge, huge win. Uh very close now to, of course, getting into the world's top 50. When, you, when that happens, you open so many doors, as we always say. Um, but, yeah, very, very imp impressive uh, performance. Um, you know, seeing off, you know, going into that playoff, he was the outsider, wasn't he? You know, Detry's been playing very, really solid all, all year. And Fitzpatrick, you know, Ryder Cup player, um, very, very well-known name. Uh, so very impressive that he, he had the confidence to see those two, two guys off, wasn't it? Yeah, and that was the strongest Scottish Open field of all time. There was Thomas there, McElroy, Ram, all sorts of big names. So um, actually, I'm not surprised that he's jumped up that far when you think of how strong that field is and um, just puts into perspective what an amazing victory that was. Yeah, it really was. Um, so let's touch on uh, John Ram. You know, he looked like he was in position, had a very good second round where he, he was suddenly at the top of the leaderboard. Fell away, I mean, slightly, didn't he? Um to, to finish seventh, and I'm, I'm sure he'll be disappointed that he's no longer world number one. But he's he's only naught point naught two points behind Dustin Johnson, so that could again, of course, change with every week. Um, of course, uh, open week, but uh, Ram looking very strong still. You know, he uh, it, this was his first event since he winning the US Open, and he got another top 10 and in as you say, a very strong field. So, Ram. Probably his favourite, obviously, this week for the Open, isn't he? Yeah, just like he was at the US Open before he'd even won a major. So, um, yeah, I think that was his 10th top 10 of the year in 14 starts. It's a surprise when he doesn't finish in the top 10 now. He's literally that good. So, um, yeah, he is the overwhelming favourite this week. And um, you wouldn't be surprised, would you? Oh, not at all. I mean, not at all. I mean, he finished 7th. He, he broke 70 every day uh, last week. Um I think the course should suit him at St George's. He, you know, he's driving the ball and his iron play is just, is just is superb. You want to stay out of the rough, obviously, don't, obviously, don't you? So, um, I, I think well, well, we'll come on to Rahm's chances a, a bit more at the Open in a minute. But he, yeah, he's again looking very strong. Uh, but of course, someone who's not looking maybe quite as strong is Rory. Uh, you know, fourth cut in 
missed of the year. That's very unlike Rory McIlroy, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Um, I didn't actually see any of this because obviously I was um, busy, but I think he was like tied 59th the week before in Ireland. So uh, when I heard that Rory was playing the Irish and Scottish and the Open, I thought, oh, he's got a good chance to win at least one of those. Um, hasn't gone that way. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know what's wrong with this game, really. I mean, he only missed the cut by one shot, so maybe um, just a few putts here and there. But I don't really like where his game's at the moment, especially with the rough at the moment, because I know you said he was driving it really well at the US Open, but I thought he was very, very wayward all over the place. Um, and every time he stands over a driver, I'm not really confident in him finding the fairway anymore. So I think that's going to be a challenge this week, unless... He's got like some super two iron or something in the bag, which he may well have. Yeah, it's, it, his game seems to be a little bit off, doesn't it? I mean, he's not been racking up huge numbers. In Ireland, I think he shot, uh, he did shoot a, a 67 in the round two, round two, which kind of helped him make the cut. But, you know, he then had shot 73, 74, whereas in Scotland, I think he shot 70, 71 or something like that. So, no, he's not playing awfully at all, but and we've all, he's obviously already won this year. He, he he won just a couple of months ago. So someone, no, to never write off. It's very hard to write off Rory McIlroy, isn't it? Especially the Open where he's he's had success, obviously, in the past. So um, I think we'll just keep an eye on him. And, and I know that's another name that we'll chat about uh, in a moment. But before we do, let's talk about, on the PJ Tour, the John Deere Classic. Lucas Glover won his first PJ Tour title in over 10 years at TBC Deer Run. The American finished at 19 under par, two clear of Kevin Nutt and Ryan Moore. He's up to 79th in the world now. And uh, it's amazing how many of these guys who um, haven't won for a while suddenly seem to be doing very well this year. I'm thinking Stuart Sink did similar, hasn't it? So uh, great to see Lucas Glover back in the winner's circle, isn't it? Yeah, I've always thought of him as one of the very best ball strikers in golf. But he, he's kind of had the yips, hasn't he, with the putter? I remember that awful yip he had for, a, I think it was a 60 a few years ago and missed the hole from about two foot. So yeah, he's clearly struggled with that. But uh, a quality player, a major winner, of course, won the US Open at Beth Page Black, I think, in 2009. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, good to see him back. I mean, I don't really think anybody in Europe watched this, did they? Because there was the European Championship final on at the same time. But. Um, yeah, good, good to see him back in the winner's circle and uh, qualifying for this week's Open. I, I definitely think that the TV viewing for this was probably quite low. Um, I, I'd say, yeah, he, you know, he's when he won the US Open 2009, he, he was a top 20 player in the world. He's also finished third at a players as well. You know, he's so he's he's done very well. He's and his ball striking is, is incredible. But he has really struggled on the greens and to a point where I think he he nearly. Uh, he nearly retired. I believe his highest world ranking was as, as high as 606 by the, quickly looking at the... Uh, the you mean lowest? Lowest, lowest, highest, whatever. Uh, 606, which was in 2014. Uh, but now he's back into the world's top 179th. And uh, he's, he's one of those players. He could um, he could, he could could surprise a few people. He's had he's had uh, two other top 10s as well this, this year. So, uh, you know, very, very good to see him doing well again. Mention Kevin Nahr and Ryan Moore, who finished second, uh, two names that people will be familiar with, not two people who won't be at the Open this week. Yeah, did they both withdraw due to travel, I think? I think Nahr was travel. I think Ryan Moore may have had an injury or something like that. Oh, that's right. what I said anyway. But uh, we have seen quite a few uh, American withdrawals from the tournament, uh, which which is a shame. Um but uh, obviously it opens the door to a few other people who would have either missed out. But uh, before we talk about the Open Championship, we need to talk about our sponsors, Titleist, and the momentum the brand is taking into Royal St George's this week. Last week at the John Deere Classic, Titleist golf ball loyalist Lucas Glover put the new Pro V1 golf ball in play for the first time in competition with immediate success, birding five of his final seven holes to claim his fourth PJ Tour victory. Glover worked with 40 Pits, Titleist's golf ball R&D consultant on the PJ Tour, who said the 2021 Pro V1 gave Lucas the added spin he was looking for into the green while still providing that tight, consistent flight he likes to see, especially in the wind. In fact, Glover finished third in strokes gained approach and fourth in stroke gained T to green 
for the week. So head to tartus.co.uk to find out how you could also benefit from the consistent performance of the number one ball in golf. So interestingly, like you said there, Tom, Lucas Glover put the new Pro V1 in. I actually put the brand new Pro V1 in play last week for the first time as well. And I had one of my best ever driving weeks. My dad would attest to that. I um, hit a few slices, which I always do, but honestly, I've never hit so many fairways in my life. And, um, you know, it might have been down to that new Pro V1. It was flowing very straight. <laughs> so, um, yeah, thanks to Titleist. I might have to start calling you a Titleist golf loyalist in a minute. Um, no, well, that's good to hear. It's good to hear some, some other first-hand knowledge from someone who isn't a professional golfer. Yeah, I'm surprised I didn't get a mention in that ad read, actually, for my tie <laughs> <tenth> finish. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, well, you managed to get it in there, didn't you? So, there you go. So, let's look ahead now to the 149th Open, uh, which I think we're all very much looking forward to. It's been amazing. It's been two years uh, since the last Open. Uh, crazily, um, when Shane Lowry won, a, you know, an emotional um, and absolutely crazy open at the Royal Port Rush uh, in front of home fans. I mean, it was a, it was a brilliant, brilliant week. We were very lucky to be there at Port Rush, and um, the crowds were going absolutely ballistic. It was it was fantastic. So it's going to be different this year. I think we've all forgotten about Lynx Golf a little bit. We haven't seen it for, properly for so long. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to, uh, to to seeing what Royal St George's is going to bring. First time it's been there since Dan Clark, of course, won in 2011. So let's hear from one of the players, firstly, who's going to be uh, teeing up this week. And we're going to listen to and hear from Jason Kokrak, who Elliot spoke to uh, yesterday. He discusses Royal St George's, the strict open bubble, his incredible last 12 months, and also his Ryder Cup hopes. So here is Jason Kokrak. Jason Kokrak, thanks for joining us today. How are you finding your open experience so far down in Kent? Uh, great. I mean, uh, I got my first uh, practice round in today. Played uh, all 18 today. Uh, kind of perfect timing in between the rain, the rainstorms. And uh, course looks great. A couple of uh, odd tee shots and, you know, some odd bounces are going to happen. But um, I like the layout. Uh, Lynx golf is always fun. And I think the uh, hopefully, well, actually, hopefully the weather is going to cooperate. But uh, you never know what's going to happen here uh, in the UK and uh, obviously in an open championship. Yes, yeah, so I was surprised to see this is only your third open. Um, have you not played much Lynx golf then over here? Um, I played as a junior uh, over here um, quite a uh, I mean, I was probably only 18 years old, but uh, yeah, being only my third open, uh, played Carnoustie and uh, Port Rush, uh, great venues. A little bit of an unlucky draw in the uh, Carnoustie one, uh, playing in the rain the second round, but uh, unbelievable track. Really wish uh, I got a little bit better wave to uh, to give it a run there. I thought that was a great venue, great layout, um, firm and fast. Unlike uh, the way it's going to play uh, this week at um, Royal St. George's, I think it's going to play uh, a little softer. But uh, if the rain kind of holds out, I mean, I could see it firming up uh, quite nicely uh, throughout the week. So what does the Open mean to you as an American? Obviously, like for us over here, we we consider it the, the best major or at least on par with the Masters. Uh, what about? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, f for me, I mean, it's uh, it's one of the four majors, obviously, is uh uh, the four biggest events that uh, I get to play in um, as a professional golfer. So, I mean, it's a it's a huge event. Uh, the Claire Jug is, uh, you know, one of the most beautiful trophies you're ever going to get and uh, one of the most prestigious. And obviously, uh, I, I think uh, I, I love the Masters. I think the U.S. Open um, is, is, is that uh, to me as you guys uh, for the, the Open Championship. So it is uh, right up there. Um, you know, the PGA Championship's a, a, a great a great championship, but uh, I think the U.S. Open and, and the Open Championship uh, kind of go hand in hand. I think it's uh, it, it's a tough test uh, of golf, depending on uh, weather over here, but uh, it, it's it's an amazing event. Uh, Lynx golf is, as I said, always fun to play. You know, there's you got to battle the golf course, you got to battle yourself, travel, uh, and obviously weather. I think it's uh, it hits uh, every facet of the game, and uh, it's. It's uh, it's definitely a, a challenge. That's interesting. So, uh, what was the first open you can remember watching? Ooh, um, probably St Andrews would be the first one I, I uh, you know, vividly remember. Uh, you know, as far as the golf course and 
remembering like you know different holes and whatnot uh i i think that's uh one of the best i mean uh, carnoustie was always the one that stood out and i was really excited to go over there and play that uh that place even though it uh, took my lunch money and spent it and spent it right in front of me so uh it was but either way it's uh you know i think uh saint andrews i think that's actually next year so uh looking forward to hopefully playing that one as well and you know getting uh that golf course uh, off my bucket list yeah, yeah. And uh, how are you finding the bubble this week? Obviously a little bit more stricter than it is over in the U.S. <laughs> it is quite a bit more strict in the U.S. Um, to be brutally honest, I, I you know, I, I don't sugarcoat many things. Uh, I think it's, um, you know, in other words, I, I don't agree with uh, how players are being, we either go to our house, if we're caught out, we have to withdraw or we're di- disqualified. There's a lot of other things that I've seen that just don't really make sense for us to having to, you know, to stay indoors, not being allowed to around other people. Yeah, I understand being in the bubble and being safe, but, you know, uh, with 30 some thousand fans being allowed at the golf course kind of negates us being in a bubble. Um, so I, I don't really agree with that. Uh, I, I understand about being safe and I, you know, I get the government wants to be as safe as possible, but, you know, after hearing all the, the protocols and, you know, hoops that we had to jump through and then we get here and then they're lifting all of the bands on Monday, um, seems a little bit extravagant to me. So not really the, uh, the brightest thing in my book as, as far as the open championship this week goes, but, you know, I want to abide by the rules and, uh, you know, still have a great week. Yeah, so you're not surprised to see the withdrawals then? Uh, not in the least. Uh, I spoke to uh, Darren Clark, actually, uh, a few weeks ago. We both played in a uh, uh, pro-am together in northeastern Ohio near my house, and he said there was quite a few guys quite disgusted with the protocols and uh, withdrawing and not even wanting to play. Uh, obviously, you see the some of the uh, COVID tests, um, the the positive tests coming through. Um, so, I, you know, I get that, but... You know, other other people that uh, have withdrawn is uh, it goes to show you what um, what holding you know the players down and not allowing them to experience uh, the UK and experience um, you know the the part of this world that we're not uh, you know accustomed to. Um, I, I think is uh, it kind of hurts the the overall look of the Open this year. But I mean, I, I think for for most people like myself, I'm I'm not trying to look at the negative i'm trying to you know kind of go with the positive the golf course uh the weather and uh you know looking forward to uh to playing some good links golf this week yeah have you imagined yourself lifting that claret jug uh i could uh you know what i don't try to ever get ahead of myself and i know a lot of people think about lifting the jug and you know placing yourself in uh those circumstances mentally but you know i you know the last um you know, year, I guess, uh, eight months to a year, I've kind of just gone into every tournament with the the same mindset of, you know, trying to win, but trying to play my best golf, not getting ahead of myself uh, and, you know, let, let things happen naturally. I mean, golf is one of those sports that if you try to force it, the worse you're going to play. I think the only person that I've ever seen being, being able to force themselves into playing the, their best golf is Tiger Woods. And I think he's a, a generational athlete that uh, golf, I don't think we'll ever see again. Yeah, yeah. You you must feel ready to win a major now though, and in sort of the best place of your golf career. The way you've come on this last year, obviously a very special player, but going from a contender to, to actually winning real big golf tournaments, um, it's very impressive and, and I guess yeah, you must feel like you're in the right spot. Uh absolutely. I mean, you know, it's kind of a culmination of the things that I've worked on throughout my career. Um having uh, my caddy David on the bag for the better part of four years now and, you know, working well together, changing a few things and continue to continuing to work. And, you know, I think uh, the biggest thing is, you know, the mental aspect of, you know, getting out of your own way. And uh, as I said earlier, the kind of letting things happen naturally and letting the, you know, the win and or the golf course come to you instead of trying to force it. So I think, uh, you know, all those things said, uh, I've been driving the ball, uh, very well, uh, since I put the, um, the older driver that I played, uh, at the CJ cup with. Um, so I think between that and the way I'm pu- putting the ball and, uh, you know, the long irons, I think is a, is a good combination for this week. Yeah. So what did it take to win that CJ cup? I think it was your first, PJ Tour winning 233 starts in about 10 years. Uh, was it? Yeah. 
Was it just yeah, until you doubting yourself? Ah, you mean I mean all those? Uh, I think any golfer, anybody that's in that uh, that realm, uh, you know, doubt definitely creeps into your mind. But I mean. Uh, I've said this numerous times to numerous people that if you told me at the beginning of my career on the PGA Tour that I would be a 10-year a veteran without a, win, without a win, I would have told you to sign me up, no problem. But, you know, you're always striving to win. Uh, getting that win was, you know, kind of a, a – not I wouldn't call it a career maker, but uh, it's kind of, you know, it's a – you know – justifies my uh my effort on the golf course and you know it's a culmination of all the things that i've worked on over my my entire life and that's really what i wanted to do so i um it really was one of those special weeks where i was on top of my game i was putting well i was driving it well i i was doing all the right things and i think uh the tipping point for me was that uh, i knew the golf course at shadow creek fairly well from being an mgm uh ambassador and playing in their pro-am so many times and playing that golf course probably well over 20 times. So uh, I had a little bit of local knowledge. I knew the golf course. I've got family in Vegas. So, um, you know, I felt very comfortable there. And, uh, I, you know, it was a very special week, unfortunately, with no fans, but just as special nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. You took down Xander Schofield that day. And I think it was only 16 starts later, you took down Jordan Spieth to win in Texas at the Charles Schwab Challenge. Um, yeah, tell me about that week as well. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, another good week. I, you know, I was kind of struggling with the driver a little bit early on, uh, you know, the, uh, the few weeks prior. And I finally got a couple of, uh, the tailor-made SIM heads, which is not the latest model, but, uh, I got a driver and I was comfortable with that and, uh, decided to put that in play. And, uh, I was very comfortable with it. I drove it outstanding that week. Uh, wasn't really on top of the putting, but, you know, the ball striking was really there. Gave myself a ton of opportunities. But uh, when the putts mattered, I, I seemed to roll them in at the right time. And, you know, it was uh, kind of an interesting week because Jordan and I were kind of quite a, a few quite a few shots ahead of the rest of the field. So it was kind of, sort of like a match play uh, event at the, at a certain point, but, um, you know, anytime you get to, you know, stare in the eyes of a, a multiple major champion top or a top five golfer, uh, in the world as, uh, Xander Shoffley is, I, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's very special and it, uh, you know, makes me feel good of what I've been working on, uh, over the past, uh, few years and trying to get better and working with my coach Drew Steckel over the last four years as well. Uh, I think, um, you know, it was uh, very special. I mean, any time you get to, to win any PGA Tour event is special. But, uh, you know, I guess I chose to win two uh, very, very good ones. So very pleased to have my name etched in that uh, that wall at Colonial and uh, to be forever remembered at, as a, um, a past champion there. Yeah, definitely. And uh, now you find yourself inside the world's top 25. The Ryder Cup has got to be in your view, hasn't it? Uh, you know, it's kind of one of those things I've been on the short list um, you know, I guess probably since the the end of uh, the last calendar year after the CJ Cup, so I was kind of in the running. I've had text messages with um, Captain Stricker. It's a, a lifelong goal of mine to uh, to be a part of a, a cup team like that, whether President's Cup, Ryder Cup. Uh, I missed out on the Walker Cup my uh, senior year of college, so I was a little bit disappointed with that. But uh, would love to p uh, play uh, any part I can. Uh, with any any cup team like that, so want to continue to play well, uh, not as uh, you know, not get ahead of myself. Uh, continue to play well, but you know, I hope uh, a little bit of a standout for Captain Stricker that I was able to uh, you know ba basically play match play against two of the two of the uh, better Ryder Cuppers um, or Presidents Cup players uh, coming up, and I'd love to be a part of the team. Yeah, good luck with that. I um, I hope you make that team and. Um... You've also just signed with Gulf Saudi to be one of their ambassadors. Um, how does that I feel? have. I have. I, uh, I played in their event uh, this past year at an incredible time. Uh, I think they're, uh, you know, it's a great, uh, great program to, to grow the game. And uh, I'm, I'm very happy to, to uh, represent uh, Gulf Saudi and uh, wear the logo on my, the belly of my bag. Yeah. How was that week at Royal Greens back in, was it February? January yeah it was uh it was interesting because you know it was kind of the you know during the COVID uh deal and not a whole lot going on um you know to and from uh, you know a few dinners on the boat 
you know, meeting the, you know, everybody I needed to. The golf course was uh, actually uh, very, very nice. I, I didn't really have any expectation uh, when flying over, but, um, you know, very pleased. And I think it was a golf course that uh, without the wind is a fairly easy golf course, but uh, with the wind can uh, definitely play a, a, a big factor there. And, um, you know, looking forward to uh, to going back and uh, seeing seeing some of the people and uh, getting back, getting another uh, crack at that golf course. Yeah, brilliant. And um, yeah, so once you're out of the bubble this week, are you going to have a little explore around London or, or some of the UK? <laughs> I'd love to, but, uh, you know, I uh, the, the PGA Tour likes to, to pack in uh, the events here and there. And I've got a young family at home and, um, you know, I'd like to, to spend, uh, I, I'm going to make a, a large run at the end of the year here. A uh, big push with uh, Memphis and Wyndham uh, play through the, the tour championship. So I got five in a row to finish the year and uh, I'd like to spend as much time as possible with uh, the kiddos and uh, the family back home. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, good luck this week, Jason. Hope you do very well. Hope you make the Ryder Cup team as well. And, um, Hope you enjoy your time over here in the UK. I'm sure I will, and I uh, I appreciate it very much. So there was Jason Kokak talking to Elliot, and he uh, sounded like he's looking forward to the week. Yeah, really good to chat to Jason Kokak there. Um, seems like a really top guy, and uh, obviously we know he's a fantastic ball striker, uh, which could really benefit him this week. But in those last 12 months, he's just gone up a level, hasn't he, from you know, contending, being one of those guys that you're not surprised to be seen leading after the first round to actually winning tournaments. Won two huge tournaments as well at the CJ Cup. One of the biggest purses on the PJ Tour and then uh, at Colonial this year, beating um, Xander Schofle last year and then Jordan Spieth this time, which he said there he, he hopes Steve Stricken noticed because it was a bit like match play. But um, yeah, good to chat to him. He, uh, he didn't hold back on his comments on that strict open bubble and obviously not surprised that he's seen so many withdrawals. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a very different week this week, isn't it? It is. And, and let's let's chat about that. We, we are seeing quite a few people who are unfortunately having to pull out, some due to injury, some due to um, the strict bubbles. And, you know, they've decided, you know what, I'm, we're not going to take take the week to actually um we're not going to fly over and maybe have to isolate and all this all these different things that are going to happen and it, it's it's a big loss to a lot of people isn't it you know zach johnson's not playing former open champion barbara's not playing you know masters champion kevin nah who we've mentioned already hideki matsuyama masters uh winner having to miss out because he tested positive for covid so it is a little bit different isn't it yeah actually having been in a bubble last week i I have a slight opinion on this because um, when we heard about the tournament bubble that we'd have to be in for the Aramco team series, it was like, oh, really? Um, but we got to the course, did our test, got our result, went from hotel to course, hotel to course. It was absolutely fine. And I wasn't playing for $12 million and, you know, playing in the Open Championship. So anybody that's withdrawn because of that, I think, it's actually a bit of a lame excuse. Um, and obviously I can't really have an opinion on someone's life or whatever, but it's, it's very sad. I think that they've done that. Um, unfortunately the big names haven't done that. So obviously the field is still amazing. It's still super strong, but uh, I really can't quite understand why you'd withdraw from the open because, because of this bubble, it's not that bad at all. Yeah. That's, that's interesting you say that. I mean, but there's other, there's other, as I said, there's lots of, reasons people are giving for example there's a we've had a few people who have pulled out because they want to concentrate on the olympics which is interesting isn't it we've had have, I don't think we've had that before yeah well that's just sanjay m and siwoo kim because the koreans get out of military service if they win an olympic medal so that's why they're doing that and i guess it's kind of understandable but um, for anyone else i mean are they pulling out because they're not allowed to go to a restaurant or something is that really what they're doing i, I don't know but um like i said fortunately the big names are still there so um doesn't really put a dampener on the week to be honest no i, I suppose not um it's just a shame that it's not quite as strong a, a field as 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 possible and I, I do i am a bit gutted today he's not playing because obviously he's such a big story that's not absolutely not down to him he's he's obviously tested positive for covid so he's having to, to isolate and uh won't be able to play so um it's a, it's a big loss not having the masters champion team up at the open in the same year isn't it so uh 
Uh, we wish him all the best. Uh, but Royal St George's obviously hosts its 15th Open and the first in 10 years after Dan Clark's uh, emotional and incredible 2011 triumph. I can't believe that's 10 years ago. I, I was there. I can remember it very well. Um, it's a very demanding course, isn't it, the Kent Links? And I think it could be very demanding this year because of the weather conditions that we've been uh, kind of witnessing in the south of England. Yeah, so the rough over here is ridiculous at the moment. I think everywhere, to be honest, because of all the rain we've had after um, a very sunny June, maybe. I mean, it doesn't feel like we've had a summer, but the grass has certainly been growing. Um, so the conditions are going to be a little bit softer than uh, certainly what we saw at Carnoustie in 2018, where it was just completely baked brown. But I think it's sun for the rest of the week, so it should firm up a little bit. And it's, yeah, it's meant to be one of the hardest golf courses on the rotor, uh, certainly from tee to green as well. Uh, so if you're finding fairways in your holding parts, you're, you're probably going to be um, having quite a nice lie-in on Sunday morning, should I say. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel that we're gonna, we are going to see some huge scores being racked up um, because I think that the rough is... I was mentioning, not that this has anything much to do with uh, the Open, but my lawn, I have to cut my, mow my lawn every three days at the moment because it's it's really it's quite warm, but it's so wet. We've had so many ridiculous thunderstorms and showers uh, in the south of England. You know, I, I'm, uh, I'm on the edge of uh, Essex and London, and so I'm only about an hour away, hour and a half away from St George's, and it's... The weather has been absolutely bonkers for the last month or so. Um, and it means everything's growing much quicker. So the rough is going to be very, very juicy, I think is a, is, a, is the phrase that they use. And um, But it is probably going to be playing quite soft. So if you can hit fairways, chances are you are going to be able to attack maybe the pins a bit more than you would usually. But the weather for this week does look a lot drier um, after we had quite a wet Monday. If anybody is in West London, I saw the uh, the videos and pictures of all the horrendous floods that were happening there. But um, the rest of the week is looking pretty positive. And so actually might start just speeding up a little bit to come towards the end of the end of the tournament. So it, it could be a real battle this this open, um, which is something I'm quite excited about. Yeah, hopefully. Um, I wonder what the winning score is going to be. I can't actually remember what Darren Clark's winning score was last time. Um, but I do remember him playing incredible golf, um, just hit fairway after fairway. And then obviously Dustin Johnson hit it out of bounds on the 14th with that two iron or something, I think. Um, Mickelson was up there as well. So, um, yeah, obviously we saw Mickelson win a major at 50. We saw Tom Watson nearly win one at 59. And... Um, the Open is the one where you get those um, golden oldies playing well because of that Lynx turf. It just runs, doesn't it? So, And then, of course, Ben Curtis won here um, in 2003. So it's, it's got to be a very, very open field, you'd have to say, this week. Yeah, so Darren Clark has shot five under par to win in right. 2011. Uh, the weather in 2011 was horrendous. Um, and a lot of people got blown away the first couple of days. Dan Clark, if I remember rightly, did have a reasonably fortunate draw and managed to miss some of the, the worst weather. Um, but, he, you know, he played very, very solid. Shot 68, 68, 69, 70 um, to win by three from Mickelson and DJ. Mickelson is one of the things I remember. He played amazingly on the front nine on Sunday and got... I think he actually took the lead at one point. Um, he eagled, I can't remember what hole it is, but the, it was the same hole that then Clark eagled about, you know, a group later or whatever it was. But um, Mickelson and DJ were very good. And Thomas Bjorn was fourth. I don't know if you remember that, but um, he very well. But the person, there's a couple of people who I really remember from that tournament because it was one of the first ones I probably went to and it was my first time going to the course at all. Ricky Fowler played brilliantly in the in the worst bits of the weather. Um, and he finished on level par, but he actually, a lot of people said he, you know, he played better than anybody else, really, because he had the, some horrendous weather to deal with as well. So um, also, guess who else was fifth? Anthony Kim. Wow. Exactly. That's probably about the last time we saw him. So um, it's, you know, he played, he played very tough 
in 2011 and i'm expecting uh i'm expecting it to be similar to be honest with you um it's it's going to be a real test but um let's hope that the sun shines that would be nice we like seeing the open being played in in uh, in testing conditions but hopefully dry conditions because i think that would make it a little bit clear also just noticed that guess who was leading at halfway with darren clark uh i can't remember no idea also four under was lucas glover oh really there you go i'm not sure exactly where he finished uh but uh yeah there's a name that we've already mentioned sorry that's this is this is me going down a wikipedia hole uh as i look at the, the uh, wikipedia page but uh you know so i'm I, you know i'm really looking forward to that did you remember 2011 at all yeah yeah i remember um the first two things that stick to mind really are dj shank or his massive carve out right on the 14th and um i just remember darren clark smoking cigarettes like basically every hole um, but yeah, that's about it, to be honest. He's one of your role models, isn't he? Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's. It, I, I remember it quite a lot because it. We were just social media was just kind of uh, evolving a bit more there, and I remember putting up. I was right by the um, the 18th green as he as he won, and I was putting up some very grainy videos onto our Twitter uh, at the time because we were allowed to do it uh, at that point, or we weren't banned from doing it, I should say um and um yeah it was it's yeah life was a little bit different back in 2011 but uh it was just an incredible win i mean the crowds following clark were i mean the rest of the course was empty it was it was I've, I've never seen it quite like that on you know we've been to several open sundays and there's usually a couple of groups which will take a lot of the lot of the crowds early doors and then there will obviously be a lot of people following the leaders but everyone was following Darren Clark. Everybody. It was the rest of the course was absolutely dead. So, you know, DJ and Mickelson were out there. There was obviously had a few people, but nothing compared to what Darren Clark. And um, you know, he was he's obviously such a popular sportsman and um it was a very emotional victory for him. And um I think one of those ones which people always remember. Um and that, that kind of takes my mind back to the last open at Port Rush, where again Lowry, you know, Lowry winning you know that in ireland there's so many great things that happened there wasn't it yeah that was a very very special week and uh that golf course was 10 times better than i expected it to be i'd heard it was good but it was out of this world good and actually kepka today said it it was um his favorite open rotary course alongside uh, st andrews so um yeah an amazing setting amazing fans uh, i think it it was touted to come back in 2025. I don't know if the pandemic's pushed that back, but I think we'll be seeing Port Rush on the road to going forward, which is amazing. Um, and I remember the Harbour Bar as well, because we were staying right next to that, and that was just an incredible place. Um, busier than you would find pubs on New Year's Eve or something on, on the Monday of Open Week. So I'd imagine they did their whole year's take-ins every day, basically. And um, yeah, the crack, I guess, at, at the Port Rush was just incredible. Uh, the town was really good and that 63 that Lowry shot on Saturday basically won in the tournament didn't it and, um, and then there was a, a two-shot swing on the first hole when Lowry hold a I think it was a bogey putt which uh, basically <laughs> kept him with the momentum after a bit of a dodgy hole and then of course Rory McIlroy started with an eight hit it out of bounds on the first um, shot I think seven under par in the second round missed the cut by one and then uh, was in tears with his interview with uh, Tim Barter on Sky Sports. And um, I think I was almost in tears watching it as well. So, yeah, it's a, a very special week. So much happened and um, just love the Open, don't we? And hopefully we can get another great week this week. Yeah, he was the, the thing which you said there is the fans that made that week. The Port, Port Rush fans and the town is just incredible. And um, it would, the Open would not be the same without the fans. And, you know, we've seen... Um, some other majors take place without any fans in the last year. Um, and it's been interesting, you know, Morikawa winning um, in San Francisco and, uh, and things like that. But, you know, the Open, you think of all those amazing photos and videos of all those past Opens, you know, to, uh, Watson and Nicholas, with, you know, being followed down the fairway by all those fa fans of Faldo as well. You know, it's it's it makes it, it's, it's, it, would, it wouldn't have been the same having an Open without the fans. So we're, we're so happy that, uh, there will be some spectators there. Thirty-two thousand a day uh, should be there. 
we hope everyone enjoys it. I remember last time I went to St George's, it's a very, very good viewing course because there's some huge dunes as well. So it's a really good place to go and watch some golf as well. You can always see the action. So, um, you know, I'm really looking forward to it. I do remember the Harbour Bar, Elliot. Uh, I don't remember you buying a beer in there. I think I had to do most of that. But uh, <laughs> it, was a, it was a great, it was a really, really decent week, wasn't it? So, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. So it's uh, it's going to be a little bit different this week, of course. We've still about the bubble and everything like that. But, you know, um, we're not going to be there either. I'm not going to be there. You're not going to be there. We've got a couple of people on the who are there for the start of the week. But um, um, unfortunately, we're going to try and cover it um, mainly for, via TV and see see how that goes this week. Um, but we're going to cover it with a, within an inch of its life uh, as much as we can. So do check out the Golf Monthly website, golfmonthly.com, or our social media at Golf Monthly on Instagram and Twitter and Golf Monthly Magazine on Facebook. For all the latest, we will keep you up to date. Um, but there is a lot of people missing this week. No Nar, Im, Kim, Wolf, Lee. No David DeVal, Elliot. You gutted about that. <laughs> yeah, actually, he shot in the 90s, didn't he, at Port Rush? That was one of the stories after day one. Yeah. Didn't you know, he make like a 16 on the seventh hole or something? Something ridiculous like that. Yeah, you know, DeVal missing is not, uh, you know, as great a golfer as David DeVal was around the turn of the uh, century. He He's not been um, playing that well. So, um, it's a, yeah, it's a shame, he, shame that some of those names that we know and we sometimes only see once or twice a year, we won't be seeing this year. But, uh, you know, the, the, they're missing. So, so out of, you know, we know the people who are now missing, but who do we think has got a real big chance of winning this this year? Let's, let's start with the favourite, who is, of course, John Rahm. Uh, and Elliot, you're his biggest fanboy, aren't you? So, uh, is John Rahm going to win the Open Championship? Um, yes, I think he is someone at the moment, anyway, that can take the pressure. He could be the next big thing, I think, to step up. Especially now he's got that major win out of his, or that monkey off his back, I guess, with that major win. Um, he's got no weaknesses, has he? He's amazing at every aspect of the game. He's a fantastic putter as well, uh, as he showed at the US Open. Uh, and he's in the form of his life. So um, just looking at the odds, he is favourite by some way. So um, not surprised to see that at all. And I would love to see him lift the Claret Jug on Sunday. Yeah, so he's about seven or eight to one. Um, as we've already mentioned, I mean, you know, obviously he won the last major. Uh, he was world number one. But he's, he's just slipped back to world number two, but uh, very, very close. Um, but he just seems very confident. He seems to be very happy in his himself as well uh, you know obviously he's got a settled family life um yeah things are going well for him aren't they yeah yeah he's in a great place at the moment uh, just had his first child um got married recently as well just loving life so um yeah it's good to see him smile and um yeah a happy golfer off the course i guess is a happy golfer on the course indeed so, so let's cover that to these two together kepka and deshambo now, Kepka, you know, he's at 16 to 1, second favourite. Shows how uh, short Rahm's odds are at 8 to 1. The Shambo is as long as 35 to 1. I mean, I think this course might suit Bryson the Shambo. You know, we saw what he did to a US Open, which had a very juicy rough. Do you think Shambo could overpower St George's? No, no, no. The US Open was thick rough, whereas this is like long. Literally, you could lose your ball in there. I, I don't think. Um, He's got a chance if he's wayward, wayward off the tee. Um, he's got a new caddy, so that might help his course management. But we've just seen him take a driver off most tees this year and last year, haven't we? So um, I wouldn't really fancy Deshambo, to be honest. Uh, don't really think he's shown a great deal um, since his win at the Arnold Palmer and then that second place at TPC Sawgrass. So, um, yeah, would not be surprised to see him hacking around in the rough quite a bit this week. And what about his great mate, Kepka? Uh, yeah, I fancy Kepka, but um, I've seen him fall away too often in major final rounds. So uh, I don't really think there's anything to show that he will win. But um, yeah, rightly one of the favourites, definitely. And, um, you know, he always raises his game for majors, doesn't he? I mean, he's had so many top fives. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, could, could see him doing well. So obviously we, we're we're chatting about the, the the who we think could do well. Um, obviously we've got the golf monthly tips to Jeremy Chapman who's been having a fantastic 
uh, been a form with us recently. And uh, you can check out who he's picked for the Open Championship on the Golf Monthly website, golfmonthly.com, or of course Google, Open Championship Golf Betting Tips or something like that, and you'll find our posts. But one of his tips is Jordan Spieth. A uh, little spoiler alert there. Spieth, do, do you think Spieth's got a good chance? Uh, I'm not sure about that, to be honest. He's third favourite, which is a big surprise. And to be fair, McElroy being fourth favourite is an even bigger surprise than that. Maybe it's just evidence that these guys aren't in fantastic form. Uh, Spieth's obviously had a great year. Yeah, if he stays out the rough, I mean, he's got a fantastic chance, to be fair, because we've seen him win an Open before. Uh, we know how gritty he is. He's probably got one of the best golf brains, I would say. Like, he can get it around the course without his best stuff. So, yeah, I mean, that's a good pick, I guess. If you listen to uh, Spieth's form, this, just going backwards, the last 10, he's 19th in the US Open, then 18th, the 2nd, 30th, 9th, 3rd, 1st, 9th, 48th, 4th. You know, he's been playing pretty solid, hasn't he? And um, we've seen him obviously do very well at Opens in the past. Obviously, won as well. So um, I I'd, I'd quite like that pick as well, to be honest with you. I'll certainly, I'll certainly be following it. As I do. So Rory, we've mentioned, 20, you know, you get him as long as 22 to 1. That's very long for Rory. Got a chance. Dustin Johnson, similar odds as well. Is that, that a bit of a surprise? Yeah, I think these odds are very strange, actually. Um and the one that we always talk about, Colin Morikawa, 40 to 1. What is he, like world number four or five? And he's basically like 15th favourite. So I think they're really underrating him, especially when you consider how straight he is off the tee and the fact that he's the best iron player in the world. So um, I think he's a definite outsider, which is funny to say when you think of where he is in the world rankings. Yeah, and you start coming down with the odds and think, oh, I quite think he could do well. He could do well. He could. Do. They suddenly go. I've suddenly picked thirty-nine players to win the Open. Uh, you know, like Hatton got an incredible links record, although not got a particularly strong Open record. Uh, you know, he's as long as thirty-three to one. He's he's world number ten. Victor Hovland playing outstandingly, thirty-three to one. Oosthuizen, I mean, Open champion, been playing fantastically, thirty-five to one. And then we look right down to 45 to 1, see two players, Matthew Fitzpatrick, who just plays superbly at the uh, Scottish Open, and defending champion Shane Lowry. I think Lowry at 45 to 1 is very good odds, isn't it? Um, potentially, but I would stay away. We don't really see many people defending the Claret Jug, do we? And um, it seems like quite a lot of responsibility goes with the, the defending champion on the week. Uh, lots of media obligations, and I'm sure there's lots of stuff off the course as well that he has to do. So I think his, he's just going to have an amazing week. He's going to enjoy himself. He's going to have one of the best experiences of his life being defending champion at the Open. But uh, whether that translates to actual low scores, I'm, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, well, you always remember the last defending champion was Irish as well, though. Uh, so uh, we'll have to look out for that. But um, is there anybody else that you like the look of that we think needs uh, mentioning? Um, I want to say like Lee Westwood and Ian Poulter, to be honest. I think, yeah, it's an open championship. Anything can happen. Um, there's going to be surprise names up there on Sunday. Uh, and I would quite fancy one of the two old guys, especially after what Darren Clark did in 2011. Yeah, I think that's... Um, um, can you imagine if Westwood then wins this, this week? I mean, that would be absolutely ridiculous. And you start looking at these guys, you know, some people who've got very good open pedigree. You know, Westwood, 60 to 1. Rose is 70 to 1. Sergio, 70 to 1. Um, Ricky Fowler, who already mentioned, you know, he's been getting into a bit of form. I know you're not his biggest fan, but he played so well there in 2011. 80 to 1. Poulter, 80 to 1. And then let's just talk about Phil Mickelson who hasn't had a bad year, has he? He finished second here last time, and he is 100 to 1. Can, you know, Mickelson didn't manage to get the form that he showed at the PGA back in at the US Open, but he's got a chance here, hasn't he? Oh, definitely, yeah. He still had a pretty decent US Open. He made the cut quite comfortably, I think. And, um, yeah, I, I cannot see why he's such high odds when he won a major this year and is in a fantastic place. So. Um, yeah, that would be incredible to see Lefty win. And um, someone else I just want to mention as well, Martin Keimer. I remember walking past him in the high street in Port Rush last time, uh, and he actually didn't qualify, which I think was one of his first majors that he, he missed. And 
he's been having a great year. Um, still hasn't quite won since his US Open, but he's come close so many times, um, especially recently. And I, I've actually, I've quite a good feeling about him. I think he got in the field thanks to one of those withdrawals. So maybe that could be uh, quite a special story this week. Yeah, uh, you're right. I, I'd, I'd forgotten that we saw Martin Carmel was first reserve. Um, yeah. Uh, at, at Port Rush, and he was unfortunate to he did, no one pulled out. Unlike this year, when like, everyone's been pulling out. Uh, but if I remember rightly, and I'm just going to check, I think he did all right. In two, he was 12th in 2011. I remember watching him a bit. Um, he did actually do play quite well the last time we were here as well. So he's 150 to one. I like that. That's a that's a bit of a left field pick there. So. Uh, um, you know, I think that's um, that's good. I like that. He's got very good. He's got a very good links record as well, hasn't he? So um, he's done very well in there before. So, uh, so we, well, I think we've picked about thirty players to check, haven't we? Yeah, uh, we've covered off most of the field there. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. But if you actually want to have uh, someone who won't sit on the fence, do check out Jeremy Chapman's excellent betting tips. They're always excellent, whether they're winners or not. They're always good tips, and there's always good reasons for them. Uh, and he has had a lot of success for us. Uh, this year, um, last winner that he picked, I think, was Harris English. Was that right? A couple of weeks ago. So, uh, uh, you know, he's in very, very good form. Um, so, yeah, do check it, check out the Golf Company website and click on the relevant links, and uh, you'll be uh, on the same people that I will be on because I will be following his tips very closely. So, Elliot, I think we'll wrap it up there. What a exciting week we've got ahead of us. What, you, what will you be doing for the Open? What, will you, what Where will you be watching it? Uh, I will be watching it on the sofa. From I probably won't be getting up at 6.30 for the first tea time, but I don't know, from maybe 7.30, 7.45 till 7.45 at night, um, you will find me on my sofa all day. So, um, yeah, can't wait, actually, because it's going to be a very different experience not being there. Um, this will be the first one I've not been at since 2016 at Troon. So, yeah, just looking forward to getting the full open viewing um, experience as a fan. Yeah, it should be fantastic, shouldn't it? And, uh, yeah, we, it's going to be wall-to-wall coverage, of course. We get, uh, we're get we very lucky we get very full coverage over here. Um, you know, great access and um, everybody sees everything. So, uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. So uh, do join us uh, next week to find out if any of our tips or any of the names that we actually covered off today do win the Claret Jug. All the fallout from St George's and 149. So, uh, until then, Elliot, thank you very much for your time. Thanks. Speak soon. We'll do. And uh, to everyone listening, thanks for tuning in, and we'll speak to you again next week.